men today. And so make sure you take these, give them out to folks, and one day to feed the world. Does some of y'all remember a couple, like about a year and a half ago, we did a one day to feed the world? Anybody remember that? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. Nobody raised their hand, but I had some yes, sirs, so that's cool. Uh, one day to feed the world is our partnership with Convoy of Hope. It's part of our Hope Fund, too. So one day to feed the world, there are, there, like, world hunger and feeding people is a big need all over the world. And what Convoy of Hope does is they get food to, um, in poverty areas where we can't usually go. And so what one day to feed the world is, is you, it's very simple. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. And on Easter Sunday, we are receiving a one-time offering and the idea is that we, we bring together, everybody brings in what you make in a day. So whatever your salary is, whatever your weekly pay is, you, you take that out, divide it by five, because traditionally it's five work days and, and a weekend, and you take that daily income and you save up and you bring it in for that offering. And our goal for that day is $15,000 that we will give to One Day to Feed the World as, as an offering, glory to Jesus. We're also baptizing people that day. So if you need to be baptized, if you've not been baptized, Easter is going to be a big day. So invite people to Easter. And one day to feed the world, it's going to be a big day. Are you ready? Yes, what are you ready for? Worship. Worship. There you go. The word. All right. Cool. I love it. Say, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. We're going to be like Jesus. And every year... I preach one of I preach a sermon, and today is the table sermon. Raise your hand if you've heard the table sermon before. Yeah, so you've heard it before. You're going to judge it against the other times you've heard it and see if it changes any, you know. Raise your hand if you've never heard the table sermon before. Yeah, okay. So every year, at least every year, we need a reminder as the Church of Jesus about why we do what we do. And this sermon is something that helps us kind of ground ourselves as to why we do what we do as the church of Jesus. There's all these scriptures and there's all these things about why the church exists. But there's a story from Jesus. Our text today comes from Luke chapter 15. So if you brought your Bible or if you have your device, go ahead and go to Luke chapter 15. And there's a story from Jesus that we're going to read and we're going to apply it. And we're going to learn how to be like Jesus when it comes to being the church of Jesus. One of the things that being like Jesus is all about, Jesus was concerned about the one. In Luke chapter 15, there's three stories about the one. There's the story of the lost sheep. There's the story about the lost coin. And there's a story, any Bible scholars out here know what the third lost thing is in Luke 15? Lost son, yeah. There's three lost things. One's a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. Jesus is so concerned about the one. And so we're going to focus on that and we're going to take his metaphor of the lost sheep and Jesus being the shepherd and we're going to, we're going to take that and we're going to really play with it a little bit and the idea of the church and the idea about the table is we're going to take that metaphor and we're going to apply it to the church us as the church and if you're not a follower of Jesus 
you get to sit back and you get to hear us talk about why the church exists here in Albemarle, why we exist and what we're all about. You get to see us kind of look at ourselves and how we function as the church of Jesus. So let's go to Luke chapter 15. And every time we come to the word one, I want you to say it with me. Starting with verse number one. There you go. Now, when, when we come to one, I want you to be obnoxious with it, okay? Uh, you can come up with voices, um, obnoxious voices. You can say it like SpongeBob. You can say it like Family Guy, just loud, okay? Now, I know some of you holy people don't know who Family Guy is. That's fine, all right? But loud and proud, whenever we come across the word one, I want to hear you scream it out. Let's practice it right now. One, two, three. All right. Nobody did impressions, but we're going to get there. Verse number one. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Raise your hand if you're a notorious sinner. All right. You're my kind of people. Okay. Often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. I want to pause. I want to just point out something. Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and who? Notorious sinners. And the chief religious people were what? They were angry. They were nervous. They were... It says they were complaining that such sinful people were hanging around him and even eating with him. So Jesus, so, meaning Jesus knew this. And because he knew this, he decided, I'm going to tell them a story. So here's the story that Jesus told. If a man has a hundred sheep and... Of them gets lost. What will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over. Okay, we... We missed that one kind of, I'm going to start that verse over because we kind of, we weren't all together on that one. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. The one matters to Jesus. The one matters to Jesus. The one matters to Jesus. We have joked and picked around today about time change and the heavy, heavy burden we have of missing an hours of sleep. And, and how difficult it has been to show up to church today. And how many of us would rather be in bed. But can I tell you, friends, Romans, countrymen, 
Americans, countrymen, whatever. Can I tell you, there's a reason we are here today. There's a reason you're here today. If you're tuning in, there's a reason that you've tuned in today. We must talk about the one. You must hear again and again and again about the one. As the church of Jesus, there's a big reminder that we have today, and it's this. We believe that the love and acceptance of Jesus is more powerful than anything. More powerful than anything. It's more powerful than any sin that you can dream up. It's more powerful than any religious judgment that you can fathom. It's more powerful than any passive, aggressive head nod or shaking of the head that you see on the other side of a dinner table. The, the love and acceptance of Jesus, the care about the one, is more powerful than the naysayers across the room who are angry at Jesus for hanging out with people who are not yet saved. The love and the acceptance of Jesus is more powerful than the opinions of the busybodies and the elbow uh, 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 pokes of people who are going to look at that sinner over there. The love and the acceptance of Jesus is more powerful than the opinions and the interpretations of some people who like to take the Bible and make it for their own self-interest. The love and the acceptance of Jesus is more powerful. Now, I didn't say the approval of others. I said Jesus cares about the one. Jesus, in the telling of this story, and in the telling of the lost coin, and in the telling of the prodigal son, there is no mention of the father and the prodigal son, or in the woman with the lost coin, or in the shepherd with the sheep. All these things who are lost, where they go to the lost one and say, it's totally fine that you got yourself in this mess. It's totally great that you found yourself at, at this place and you did all these wrong things. It's totally wonderful that you went to find your true self on the side of that cliff or at that place. Or you don't. There is no approval of the lostness. There is always concern. There is always love. There is always welcome. There is always acceptance. There is always an open armed running toward the lost. We, the church of Jesus, we believe that the love and acceptance of Jesus is more powerful than what got the sheep lost in the first place. As followers of Jesus, we will offer everybody that same powerful love and acceptance so we can invite them to God's grace and love. Not so that we can put a tacit acceptance on everybody's choice of lifestyle or everybody's choice of identity or everybody's choice of morality. No, that's not the point. The point is that God's love is greater than any identity I can create. God's love and grace is more powerful and is more transcendent than anything we can create on this earth. And if it's not, then why are we here on Time Change Sunday? Why not roll over in bed and stay comfortable? What's the point? Jesus is concerned about the one. So, with the idea of the one, 
the lost sheep. I bring you to a table because we like to eat. Amen. Thank you, John. One other person in the place likes to eat. Me and John. You know what, John? The other night, I got some ribeyes from DNM Packing. They're really nice. I had them cut them an inch and a half thick. The rest of y'all don't care if you like to listen to this or not. It's just me and John. Inch and a half thick. Me and John's the only ones that like to eat around here. I took these things and I seasoned them overnight. And then I put them in the smoker at 3 p.m. on a Friday. And I smoked these things low and slow at 240 for about three hours. I got them to an internal temperature at about 120. And then I reversed seared these puppies. I could cut them with a fork. If you need proof that there's a heaven, these ribeyes were it. Now, if you're a vegan, you're wrong. These ribeyes, I love to eat. The table is a very good explanation. It's a very good metaphor. It's a very good picture for what the church looks like. Jesus has the best stories. And the sheep story and the shepherd story is a great story. My issue is that there's, there's always a couple people. But how many people in here own sheep? Anybody? There's usually like one. There's always one person that owns sheep. I don't see anybody here today to own sheep. You don't own sheep. You're my daughter, and you don't. Um, you want to do that, I'll call you out. Um, you know. So, yeah, you know, we don't own sheep. We don't really understand the hospitality and the industry and all that kind of stuff back in the day. But, but the, the hospitality of the table encompasses the stuff that Jesus was talking about. How many of y'all ate dinner? Okay, a good bit of us. Some of us, okay, we have some food pantry stuff. If you don't eat, we can help you out with that. Talk to us. But, but, but the table, eating at the table is a big deal. And the church is like a table. The church is like that family dinner moment. And there's all sorts of people that are invited to the table. There's all sorts of people that Jesus cares about at the table. And at the head of the table is always Jesus. He's, he's always, he's the boss. He, he, it's his table. Like, it's nobody else's table. He, he is daddy, okay? He's sitting at the head of the table. It's his table, it's not ours. Now, sometimes a preacher sits at the head of the table because Jesus speaks through people. Jesus, like, he's the shepherd. Like, as the pastor of this church, I'm the shepherd, and I'm, I'm invited to sit at the head of this table, But every pastor, every staff person at this church, every board member, we get invited to sit in a place of leadership at the table, at the church of Jesus. We get to lead in the way of Jesus. And there's a privilege that comes with sitting at the head of the table. There's also a scrutiny that comes with sitting at the head of the table. James chapter 3 verse 1 talks about, for those of you who are in leadership, those of you who are teachers, you are held to a higher standard. Maybe by God, but let me tell you something. People hold you to a higher standard. Don't believe me? Let me take you back to 2020. Does anybody remember COVID? We sent out surveys to our church in COVID asking people, if we, should we wear masks? What do you think? Should we distance? Should we do this? Should we open back up? Should we do this? We had answers, preacher, if you open the church up, I'm not coming back because I'm high risk. Preacher, if you don't open the church up, I'm not coming back up. I'm not coming back because you're embracing faith, you're embracing fear over faith. Preacher, if y'all don't wear masks, I'm not coming back. 
because you're not being safe and you're not following by the government like Paul says that you should do in Romans. Preacher, if y'all do wear masks, I'm not coming back because we look stupid. 70% of people said that we should wear masks. 30% of people said that we shouldn't. The loudest people said that we shouldn't. You can't make it. Anybody who has gotten in a place of leadership for more than five minutes knows you can't make everybody happy. So if you sit in a place of leadership for any amount of time, get ready. The scrutiny comes. The hits come. You get called stupid. You get called names. Your family gets attacked. And I'm not sitting here bemoaning. I'm sitting here telling you the truth. You better have a thick skin. You better be prayed up. You better learn how to fast. You better have people praying with you. You better have people praying for you. You, bet, you, bet, you better get close to God. Like if you're sitting here, you are held to a higher standard and you are judged more harshly. Because the seat where, G, where Jesus invites leaders to sit, it's not the most, it's, on one hand it's an important seat, but it's, it's not where the guest of honor sits. It's, 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 where, it's where leadership happens. And the person who is invited to sit here isn't Jesus. Like, I'm not Jesus. My family says amen to this, you know. I'm not Jesus. Board members who get to sit in this seat, they ain't Jesus. We're flawed. We submit to Jesus. We live under the Jesus mission. We die to ourselves. We point to Jesus. He is our hope. We, we don't have all the answers. I see the faces of board members in this room. And we would sit in board meetings and we go, we're, we've prayed. We're not sure of the direction. We're going to try this. We may make mistakes. We're, we're going we're to keep seeking God. Let me tell you what, what leaders do. Leaders take the back parking spaces and the less desirable spaces in the parking lot during rainy, cold Sunday mornings. That's what leaders do. Leaders show up early before the team shows up. And they usually are some of the last people out the door. That's what leaders do. They're voluntarily humble. They're not better than everybody else. They're not above anybody else, but they are in front of everybody. They're seen. They're watched. And you know what? Getting invited to sit in the seat, I know better than everybody how temporary this is. To sit in my seat. Every pastor, every leader is an interim leader. There's going to come a day where somebody else will sit in this seat. I speak for him, and there's going to be a day where I'll return to a different seat around the table. So if you're on, if you're on our staff and our, on our leadership team, if you're on our board and on our leadership team, I want you to stand up right now. If you've been on our board in the past, I want you to stand up. And I want y'all to take a look around. Come on, stand up. Stand up, Michaela. Stand up, Chandler. What's your problem? I just told y'all to stand up. I'm looking around because some of y'all are rebels and you won't do it unless I tell you to do it. I want y'all to look around at these people. These are people that sit in the seat and have sat in the seat. I want y'all to give them a round of applause. I want to recognize them. These are people... These are people who sit in the seat and are asked to lead in this church. And they take the hits, 
And they also, they also sacrificially give where a lot of people don't recognize it. Thank you, gang. I appreciate you. You can sit down. Around the table. This is an important seat, but it's not the guest of honor. You know, where the, you know who the guest of honor is at the table? Who is the guest of honor? The one. Let me ask you again now that everybody knows the answer. Who is the guest of honor? The one. The guest of honor sits beside where Jesus sits. The guest of honor sits close to the person in authority. The guest of honor is the one who sits like right here. If the kitchen is back here, the guest of honor sits with their back to the kitchen. Because in the kitchen, that's where all the chaos is happening. Like if you invite people over to your house, the guest of honor sees all the lines in the carpet where the vacuuming took place minutes ago. The guest of honor sees like all the stuff. Like you don't normally have flowers on the table, but the guest of honor sees the fresh flowers, you know, when they finally come in on the table. Some of y'all have fresh flowers every day on the table. You're better than my family, okay? We don't have fresh flowers every day on the table. We just, we, we, we just can't. We're not, we're not that good. But when we have guests over, we, we do special things like vacuum extra hard. <laughs> but this, this is the guest of honor right here. This, this, these are the people that, that are, are... Who is the one in the story? What's the characterization of the one? lost this is this is the person that jesus is looking for that the shepherd is looking for this is the person in our culture in our society that i lovingly label normal this is a normal person this is a person that is probably still sleeping in right now probably using Sunday to get some little stuff done and to relax and to get ready for the upcoming week. Maybe they've taken a day of R&R and they're going shopping or something. Maybe, I don't know. But this is most people right here. Most people are far from Jesus. Most people are lost. Now, if you look at surveys done in the USA, most people would say they're Christians. That's because most people have a knowledge of who Jesus is. Jesus is a pretty popular guy. But knowing Jesus and following Jesus are two totally different things. And, and in our world of instant information, we have this weird dynamic where we, where if we think we know a little about something, we think that we're geniuses about something. <laughs> we think that we have all the information about something. We think that we are like experts because we have a little bit of information. Or if we learn something new, we think, you know, obviously I've, I know a, a, lot, a lot about that. And in our world of, of access and Google and information, we, we have at our fingertips lots of knowledge. Most people know about Jesus, but Jesus isn't their Lord. Most people in the church know about Jesus, but I'm not sure that Jesus is their Lord. And why would I say that? Because when Jesus is Lord, we act different than the world that we live in. Most people, normal people, if they're at the table, 
if they're at the church. It's because they've been invited. Normal people don't go to church. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Normal people don't just go to church. Not unless something has happened and they feel like they need a Jesus experience or some help. Nor, if you look at Stanley County today, there's over 60,000 people in Stanley County. Most people aren't in church on Sunday. Normal people don't go to church. It's the odd people that go to church. The minority people. The weird people. Us. We're the weird ones, y'all. Normal people only go to church if they're invited. If they have a connection to somebody. Why do we give you invite cards? Because a person that is far from Jesus, a normal person, is not going to go to church because they see an ad. Or because they have a flyer that's just dropped off at their house or put on their car. They're going to come to church if somebody that they know or a friend or an acquaintance sits with them, asks them to come. And usually after they've been asked to come a few times, that's when normal people will usually go to church. And, and church attendance is, is not some kind of magic bullet. It's not some kind of like magic thing. Like, like coming to church one time is not like some some crazy thing that like changes people. Usually what happens is coming to church a few times, what happens and what the magic thing is, is when they have an, when a person has an experience with Jesus. That's, that's what happens. And when a normal person actually makes their way into a church, that is a guest of honor. We are honored by their presence. And if you're a normal person and you're here today and you don't normally go to church, can I tell you how honored I am that you're actually here? Because you don't normally do this. And the last thing I want to do is call you out and make you feel weird and make you feel awkward. Actually, what I want to let you do is just let you self-select into whatever you want to do. We have coffee, we have stuff, we have like honey for new people. And if you're not comfortable giving us information, please don't. But, you know, if you want some honey, just like gank some honey. We won't, we won't call the police, okay? We won't. Uh, we got sweatshirts and t-shirts and stuff. And if you want one, I mean, you can buy one. But, man, we're just honored you're here. And anybody, like, anybody around here would just be happy to talk to you about what our church does and why we exist. Normal people are not interested in religion. They're not interested in faith. They're not interested in church. And in the Bible, Jesus calls these people lost because they're not with him. And here's the other crazy thing. Every single person in this room right now has been normal before. You can, you can look back and you can remember what it was like to be normal. Jesus calls normal people the one. Every person that follows Jesus has sat in this seat before. Do you remember sitting in this seat and being normal? Some of you need to be reminded what it was like to be normal, to be lost. Think back. What was it like to be normal and to be lost? Now, in your homes, how do you treat the guest of honor? You give them the best seat. 
You want to give them the best parking spots. At our house, it, uh, where we live, my family, it can be kind of weird when people drive up for the first time. They don't know where to park. So we'll, usually we'll walk out there and we'll try to show them where the best places to park are. We, we want to, like here at our church, we try to give like the, the, the best coffee. We try to keep them away. I'm just going to tell you like, like straight up, behind this like little hallway back here, there's this electrical room and kind of like boiler room looking place. We try to keep guests away from this area back here because it's just not very pretty. We try to keep everybody over here on this side and over on this side because back here is like where the mechanical room stuff is. We don't, we don't, we don't give tours back here, you know. We want to make sure their kids have an awesome time. We want to serve our guests first. And the love of Jesus cares deeply about normal people. And we want them to sit as close to Jesus as possible. And maybe here today you're a normal person. You're kicking the tires. You're checking it out. You're researching. You've got questions. You've got doubts. You look around and you see the weirdos in the church. But you need something. You're not quite sure what you need, but you're searching for something. You're searching for hope. You're searching for peace. You're searching for acceptance. And gosh, I'm so glad you're here. I can't believe you're here. We are honored you're here. This is where the guest of honor sits. This is where the one sits. So we've got the host. We've got the one. Guess who sits here? This is where new believers sit in the church of Jesus. They sit, this thing gets in the way. New believers sit right here. New believers are these people who are new to faith. They've just, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some of y'all here today, you've just been baptized like within the past six months. Man, we're so glad you're here. You have an excitement about you. You have been, you, you have been excited about Jesus. Shout out to you. Shout out to you for continuing to show up, for being here, for leaning into your faith. You are needed so much at the table of Jesus. You are needed so much at the church of Jesus. All your friends, here's, here's one of the big reasons you're needed. You're like, I'm not clean enough. I'm not good enough. All the people in church know Jesus more than me. They know scriptures. Pastor Nate asks things about Sunday school, and I'm like, I've never been, and I feel like I'm bad. And I die. No, let me tell you why you're needed. Because all your friends are normal people. That, like, like all their, all, we'll get to them, but all the church people's friends are weirdos. Normal people, those are the guests of honor, right? All your friends are normal people. Like, the invite cards are really good for you. But people that sit in the seat, they feel bad because they love Jesus, love Jesus, love Jesus. But they got this messiness about them. And they feel judged a lot. Like, they come, they come to Jesus, and they, they get, they're, they're the people who, when I said, who are the notorious sinners, they raise their hand, and I smile, and I'm like, oh, those are my people. <laughs> these are these people. They love Jesus, but man, they got some mess left. They're like, oh, I struggle. They don't usually have it all together. They probably cuss a little bit or a lot of bit. They probably feel judged all the time. Listen, those of you, y'all are my people. Oh my gosh. The church people get so fed up with me sometimes. Like the really, really spiritual people. They just don't, they, they, they wonder how I'm a pastor. Me too. But those of you who are new believers, just keep showing up. Just keep digging in. Just keep learning. 
Just keep giving. Just keep serving. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Build friendships. Keep taking steps. We are with you. And every seasoned believer feels at home when you're here. You may feel judged. I feel encouraged by you. Just keep showing up. These are the new believers. And then we've got, I don't call them mature believers because there's not, I don't know what a mature believer looks like. Nobody here has arrived. But there are seasoned believers. There are seasoned believers. There are people here who have been on this journey for a while. Kind of like cast iron. Like they've been seasoned over time. You don't wash them with soap. You just kind of scrape them. You just let the seasoning get in them more and more and more. Some of y'all I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, you got some seasoning. Some of y'all are spicy and downright gritty. I see you. You're gritty. You've learned some things. You've learned that season, seasoning, serving is life. You've learned that Jesus' love is more bigger and more powerful than anything else. You, you don't want to be called mature because you know your stuff that Jesus is still working on. You know you've got stuff. Like you're, you hear me talk about people in that seat and you're like, I've been following Jesus for 30 years and that's still my seat, man. I've got stuff I'm working on. And you're like, you're like okay, yeah, the only reason I'd sit in this seat is if I'm told to sit here. Otherwise, I'm right there. I don't want to sit in this seat. I don't want to be called seasoned. I pray because if I don't pray, I ain't going to stay saved. I pray because if I don't pray, I'm going, to be me- I'm going to be mean. That's me too. If I don't pray, I'm a mean guy. Some, some, some of y'all, if you say, oh, that's me, I'm seasoned, I'm mature, I'm this and this and no. Mm-mm. This seat is for people that are like, oh, gosh. I'm not worthy to sit in a, in a chair that says that I've arrived. People that sit in this chair, they love others and they accept where others are and they cha- they're challenged. They, they love others so much, they, they just like accept them for where they are. And it's only the people that are sitting in this chair that are invited to sit in that chair from time to time. And they never feel worthy to sit in that chair right there, ever. People that sit in this chair are broken people. They need grace, and they know that they need grace. They work hard. They're excited. They're humbled to give. So this is a picture of, like, the the table. And the most important seat at the table is the one, right? You've got the head of the table. You've got the one. You've got the new believer. Oh, and we've got this seat right here. This is the eye chair, the high chair, sorry. This is the baby seat. This is the seat for the people in the church, and we need this seat. But this is the seat for the people that just want to be fed. Feed me, feed me, feed me. I'm just here to consume. I'm only here to get what I want. It's a special chair because nobody else can sit in their chair. Babies sit in this chair because they make a mess. And they need their own plate. They need their own little place for their things. 
They need their, they need their, like, they need their space, and they're usually set out here close to the end because they splash all over everything else. We've got to put, we've got to put them like way out here because they're going to get stuff on the guest of honor. We actually try to keep them away from the guest of honor. We usually put them beside the new believers, and we keep them here between here and the seasoned believers because babies make a mess. And even though Jesus loves the babies, we, 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 we keep them on the, far end of the, on the far end of the table. But we need babies because babies, babies grow. And sometimes babies get out of this seat and they grow up. But babies say things like this, the pastor's job is to feed me. And if I'm not fed by the pastor, I'm just going to have to go to another church because the church exists for me to be fed and for me to be fed only. And gang, I got to tell you, if you think that my job as the pastor is to only to feed you, it's been nice knowing you because you're going to leave. I love you. I do hope you are fed. Churches need to be well fed and well led. But at some point, babies have to grow up. And they have to learn that to be a follower of Jesus, you do need a pastor. But that pastor's job is not only to feed you. Sometimes that pastor's job is to help you grow up and help you learn how to eat. But babies that sit in this chair say things like, I didn't like the food today. The songs were not inspirational enough for me. And then some really crazy pastors say things like, well, we weren't singing to you. We weren't singing to you. We were singing to God. Well, that person in the head chair, didn't, I, I just wasn't feeling what they were saying today. I don't think that that pastor knew what, I don't think that leader, I don't think that board member really thought about me today. They should stop paying so much attention to the people in that seat and they should pay attention to what's on my plate. I only come to this church, to this table sometimes because there's so many other, other wonderful tables in this community that I like to go eat at. And they'll throw few food and they'll refuse food and they'll demand their special plates. Man, I'm telling you, people that sit in the baby chair, I'm not talking down to them but they miss out on all of the life that the church of Jesus has to offer because they, they just consume. They don't contribute. They just eat and eat and eat and complain and complain and complain. And I always, I don't mean to, but I always offend people that stay in the baby chair. I can't satisfy them as a pastor. They want so much. They complain all the time. And because I'm so human, and, I'm so, and because I'm not always at my best, I'll, I will say things sometimes. I'm, I'm just blunt. I'll challenge them to move to another seat. I'll pray with them. I'll challenge them to, to, to go around to a different seat at the table. I'll say the table is for everybody. But people, people that demand to stay in this seat will throw tantrums. They'll throw tantrums. And I'm not trying to be mean, but the table's for everybody. 
and if the one is most important to Jesus, the one, the one has to be important to us. And nobody likes being a Bible nerd more than this guy. I take Wednesday nights specifically, some, sometimes just for me, so that I can go really deep into like existential theology, getting into like some of the pulling out the guts of scripture kind of stuff, because I love it. But I got to tell you, like when we're doing big church, big kind of things like in the community and on Sunday preaching and stuff, I really try to preach. I've got a few people in mind every time I preach, and they're always people that would sit in the seat. I want them to hear the gospel. I want them to see Jesus. And it's never going to make everybody happy, but Luke 15 means a lot to me. And for the church of Jesus, Luke 15 has got to mean a lot. Unfortunately, people that refuse to grow and get out of the baby seat can't be trusted with leadership. Because these people, they don't, they don't give of themselves. They don't invest into the kingdom of God. Like you don't, you don't see them going on mission trips or giving anything to people that serve. Pastor Lily going to, to Poland, she would not be able to do that if she stayed in a baby seat. <laughs> it wouldn't happen. I remember, she'll tell these stories, but she came to our staff meeting a few weeks ago and told us, uh, I got to Poland and I found out the first day that what was going to be my bedroom wasn't my bedroom. A person in the baby seat would not have that kind of flexibility. I think about Koshi and, and what they're training all of their pastors in India for. They're training their pastors how to deal with police officers that come trying to shut their churches down. Those pastors can't sit in baby seats. New believers, listen up. If you find yourselves in this seat and you find yourself being critical, only consuming and never serving, if you find yourself tearing down and never building up, I want you to know something. I want you to know in our church you are always welcome here. But the critical people who are always consuming will only sit in the high chair. You will always have a place at this table. But it will always be in a baby seat. Because we can't trust, we can't trust spiritual babies to lead the mission of God forward. Can't happen. We are broken people before Jesus. And we are people who are real and honest. And we are not just here to consume from a spiritual buffet. We are here to hear from God and to move forward, not just individually, but as a church. And to, the Bible says that the church of Jesus pushes back the gates of hell. The only thing a baby is pushing back is a table that will only unlatch if the parent unlatches it. Other than that, this baby, well, is now free. Fly, fly. 
I don't mean to be harsh or to be mean or judgmental, but I do want to be direct. In our church, a person will be very uncomfortable over time if they just consume and consume and consume and they don't serve. And they don't get to know anybody around the table. We want to do everything we can to help people get connected and to serve and to be part of something that is bigger than themselves. We want to be a community of people that live for something bigger than ourselves and do something for the kingdom of God. We don't want to be a community that just comes together and sings some songs and does a Bible study and goes home. That's not what we're called to be. We're called to be the kingdom of God on earth that pushes back the gates of hell. So that's the table sermon. It's to remind us who we are, what we're called to do, and who the most important seat at the table.